0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead.
1: Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 401, recorded on this fine evening, the 26th of October, 2018. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Laura calling from uh, Washington, DC. I just wanted to congratulate you guys on your 400th episode. I think it's so awesome. You guys do such an amazing job. I look forward to the podcast every week. So thank you for all the hard work that you do. I don't have any feedback. I just wanted to send my congratulations. I hope you guys have a great day. Looking forward to the next 400.
0: Thank you and welcome to the show, everyone. That was Laura from Washington D.C. As she said, "Thanks, Laura." Uh, every now and then, Jason, and I just like to hold our own ladder, so that that was okay.
1: Yeah, that's really nice.
0: You know, that was very yeah. nice.
1: That's a callback from something I don't remember, but that's okay. We'll just move on. <laughs> Toot your own horn
0: doesn't really make a lot of sense. I heard that in a comedy show one time, uh, because you know why would you let anyone else blow your horn? But you know oh, holding self evident holding your own ladder is something you you just can't do so wouldn't want to right. hold my own ladder um but thank you Laura for that this is indeed number 401 we are into the 400s now well into yeah. it <laughs>
1: wow.
0: well well far and far into the 400s right right and we are here to do the listener feedback for season 3 uh, season 9, episode 3. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we've we've gotten to 401, but we went back in time somehow. <laughs> yeah, back to the prison. Don't know how that happened, yeah. Um, there's extra children in my house right now. The kids are having a sleepover, so they are supposed to stay upstairs. They're supposed to stay quiet-ish and not thump around too much. But if you hear any extra thumping on the show, which I know has happened before, even when it's only my children in the house... Um, that's what it is. Just thought I'd throw that out there.
1: Well, I just assume that kids do what they're supposed to do
0: and what they're told. Always, always. I say, be quiet and don't thump. And that's exactly
1: what they do. Yeah. Don't lick the floor (laughs) and they don't lick the floor. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right. You don't want to lick that floor. (laughs) Yeah. Don't, don't lick, don't lick the doorknob and, uh, yeah, just that kind of stuff.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Those are good life lessons right there. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, uh, start our feedback, Jason. Here we go. Listener Feedback. We are going to begin the evening with a call from Daniel. Um, I've just
1: got to say, that show, uh, Warning Signs episode, um just bored to the last 15 minutes. And then that, that last 15 minutes was just so amazing. Wow, that is drama. Not a zombie in it. But Hawk, Lion, and Zink, the character development. Oh, just amazing. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant writing and acting. What acting. Nailed it.
0: Just nailed it. Thank you, Daniel. Why don't you tell us how you really feel? Yeah. (laughs) That was nice. It was. I like how he started, though, with, you know, the first 45 minutes, boring. But the last 15, brilliant, brilliant, nailed it, nailed it. You know? Yep. Good stuff. I don't totally agree because I thought the whole episode was pretty compelling, but I'm just happy that they they stuck the landing for him at least, and and he was on board by the
1: end. Yeah, good stuff. All right, next we have an email from Nicholas in on Facebook. I am totally blown away by this episode. We saw a lot of character development, issues developing between the community, secrets revealed, and the new world starting to crack. Suddenly, I feel hopeful, hopeful about this show again. With so many leads in the story, I really hope the show can keep up the tempo, develop these storylines, and not uh, and not drown them in bottle episodes. Angela Kang has given the old characters new life. I think
0: that is extremely well said, and you know. Nicholas isn't the only, uh, listener who's, who's expressed that kind of sentiment that the show just feels fresh and it feels new this season, uh, like it really was a new beginning, you know, at, at season nine, episode one, and that Angela Kang is, is responsible for that. So it's a, it's a feeling that is permeating through the walking dead community a little bit. I think I know there's some people out there that don't necessarily agree, but there's always going to be dissenters, but overall... I think uh, lots of people are feeling really good about Season 9 as it's getting into it now.
1: Good. I feel good about the lots of people feeling good.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm I'm glad. I'm happy the people are back on board. They're enjoying it again. Our feedback for Season 7 and 8, basically a lot of the emails we got, sure it was varied, but it took a real sort of downer turn for a long time there. It did. And again, I mean, you know, people were sort of the prevailing feeling then was that the show was treading the same ground. It was a little too depressing. It wasn't going anywhere. Um, But we're past all that now. We got through. We weathered the storm. And here we are on the the other side looking at bigger, brighter things. It's true. I'm very Very happy. Okay. Lucy in Newmarket UK says... I felt like the zombies stopped eating Justin when he started to reanimate. What do you think? Maybe he stopped being tasty then.
1: Well, I don't think people necessarily would be tasty at any time, but uh, when they reanimate, maybe uh, they recognize one of their own. Maybe at that point they're like, uh, "This is not. This is something I shouldn't be eating anymore." Now, now it's it's gone from a food source to cannibalism. So I think I'm just gonna. <laughs> Get up and walk away,
0: yeah, so this is exactly what happened. A lot of people wrote this in as well to explain why the zombies just stop eating Justin and then he gets up because it happens right before he reanimates and you know it should have been more obvious to us. I think the zombies don't eat each other they don't they don't attack each other, they just walk around in big groups looking for living people to eat, so there's something about the moment that a dead body reanimates that, um, uh, means that they'll stop eating them and move on.
1: Yeah. I was talking to my wife about this this evening. I was saying, Hey, can we get a a couple of weeks ago? We got a really good roast and it was absolutely delightful. And I thought maybe we could get a roast this weekend as well. So we're going to go to the butcher. We're going to get a nice roast. I'm going to cook it. I'm telling you, if this delicious roast in the middle of the meal (laughs) started to reanimate and get up and walk around, I'd stop eating it. (laughs) Yeah. It's probably a little underdone if that's the case, but.
0: Yeah, not not your. (laughs) I don't think you should continue eating the roast if it
1: gets up off the plate. Yeah, I would. I would definitely stop the moment it started moving. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably a good policy. So I don't care how delicious it is.
0: (laughs) The zombies take the same approach, and as soon as the body reanimates, they are not interested anymore. And this is why. You know, this is, I guess you can say why that one zombie all those years ago ate all of Lori's body because she was not going to reanimate, uh, because Carl shot her and then the zombie
1: could just sit there all day and eat her all up. Num, 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 num. Yummy, yummy. (laughs) All right. Where are we now? Okay. So Josh on Facebook, Josh writes, the handprint slash porch decking slash wall art puts, pulls on all the heartstrings. I don't know how a parent ever moves past the loss of a child, so seeing this small monument to Carl in the house is really sweet and endearing. Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's got to be one of the most difficult things to deal with uh, possible,
1: really, and it's it's pretty nice. Um, I try not to think about it, but the only way I can describe what would happen is it would undo me. As a human being, I would be undone, and that would be the end of it it's you exactly you just you it would be so hard to go on
0: yet it happens to people i mean thankfully not all the time but it certainly does happen to people when, far too often far too often yeah even even once once is, is yeah once is far too, often. too much well uh our next uh listener is a call and this is howard
2: this is howard from connecticut and holy crap did you see that In uh, last week's show regarding episode three, season nine, you mentioned the section of the porch that contained uh, the handprint that Rick had put up on the wall inside the house. And if you remember from last season, the color of the porch wood itself was a natural tan color with a blue handprint. When it's removed and put up on the wall inside the house, you'll notice that the wood has miraculously changed into a greenish color. Um, holy crap. Did you see that? Eh, don't understand how that happened. Howard,
0: uh, I'm going to say that it's a lighting problem, that outside in the nice natural sunlight, it looked one color, but once you bring it in and you're either indoors or you're in artificial light, it appeared to be a little bit of a different color.
1: And and I believe that things change colors over time. I I have to believe that because of the brown pants I used to wear. <laughs> I
2: right.
1: told you the story of the brown pants, right? I had these nice brown pants that I got, that I had that I really liked, and I wore them for a very long time until my wife pointed at them and said, your pants are purple. And I looked down, and oh my God, the pants were purple. And I had been, so I have to believe that I wasn't wearing purple pants the whole time. I was wearing brown pants and eventually they faded into purple. And I just didn't realize that, uh, I can't, I can't believe, I can't allow myself to believe that i had worn purple pants all those years. But you were a clown.
0: Didn't you spend like half your life in purple pants?
1: Oh, well, that was a costume. This was regular (laughs) real life. This was like walking around (laughs) pants, not clowning pants. I think maybe Jason confused his regular, regular walking around pants with his clowning pants. So because of this. I have to believe that things over time will shift colors slightly. Uh, so I can, I think it can go from a natural tan to a greenish color. Uh, and lighting is probably part of the uh, part, of, part of the thing. And maybe the, they have, well, they don't have lights inside. They don't have, they have electricity and well, lights. They I have mean, solar power, but I don't know if they power the lights during the day. That'd be kind of stupid. So maybe the lighting is natural lighting on the inside versus natural lighting on the outside. Well, it's certainly different
0: level of lighting on the inside of the house. It reflects off walls, which are painted and have color. So it's it's a little different indoors, but you're right. They're probably not running the lights during the day. That would be ridiculous.
1: Yeah. And some monitors will shift colors as you view them from different angles. So maybe the <laughs> uh, the decking is very similar to that. If it's off angle, it looks kind of green. If it's or uh, natural tan, if it's right square on, it's green.
0: That's maybe, maybe explain it as well. I thought you were going to say their computer monitors were, were affecting it. I'm like, I don't think they're running computer monitors anymore. No, no,
1: no. I'm just thinking, you know, whatever <laughs> phenomena, uh, computer, computer monitors follow and televisions follow that maybe, uh, the same the, thing decking does. Sure. All right. Maybe they painted it with a special, uh, polarized paint that l- looks different depending on the angle. Ooh, fancy. There's all kinds of explanations why, uh, rather than just a continuity error. Yeah, because that's not what it is. There's no way. (laughs) All right. Uh, All right, next we have an email from Craig in Utah. Hey, just a thought about those tomatoes. If you recall, in Carl's dream for the future, Negan was tending the tomato plants, smiling his Negan's best smile. Rick placed a tomato in Carl's grave to show him that he's keeping his word, making Carl's dream for the future come true. At the end, when the tomato is smashed by the savior, it shows Carl's dream may be broken by these saviors, those goddamn saviors. <laughs> I think that's a great way
0: to uh, to finish that email. But yeah, the tomato was symbolic, right? Symbolic of of the the world growing and flourishing, and then yeah. being torn down at the end when the guy smashes the tomato with his foot.
1: Yeah, and when the savior also stole that tomato and bit into it, it obviously meant that he was an asshole. Uh, you know, biting into Carl's dream.
0: Actually, it's it's rather on the nose when you think about it. The first thing is he picks the tomato, he nurtures it, he takes it, to gives it to Carl, and it's ripe and it's healthy. Then halfway through the episode, um, he he bites, he takes a bite out of it. Right there's there's a crack in the in the facade or whatever, and things start to fall apart. And then at the end, they smash the tomato into nothing. So we can safely assume that things have completely fallen apart already. And we're back to uh, the full-on apocalypse.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Just kill all the saviors. Or at least, you know, move them 40 feet to the left where they can grow their own damn tomatoes.
0: Yeah, mister, they shouldn't have hung Gregory. Just kill all the saviors.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a problem with killing Gregory. I have a problem with how Maggie made that into a political thing. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I get it.
0: (laughs) We've been over that. We have. All right. Maybe, Maybe once or twice. Maybe once, yeah. Laura in Montreal writes, I really thought it was interesting the way you guys pointed out that the show provided us with all the information about the attack on the saviors by Oceanside, but without actually revealing it all to us. One of those possible details I was wondering about was with the cut on Cindy's hand. At first, I assumed it was included in order for her to be a patient for Enid and to show us that Enid's now working in the infirmary with Sadiq. However, the way Cindy mentioned she got cut peeling a potato and how it was a stupid way to get an injury made me think she must have acquired it during one of their attacks on the saviors.
1: Liar, liar, pants on fire.
0: Yeah, and I think clearly that's the intention or what the show was going for, right? You don't really know it at the time. And I didn't really ever think to myself— um, there's something suspicious about that wound when, when she came to see Enid and said, I got it peeling a potato. sounded like a perfectly reasonable way to cut your hand. I've probably yeah. done it
1: myself. I've cut, okay. I've got a cut on my hand. I had seven stitches on my finger, uh, from when I cut my hand in, uh, in high school. You know how, you know how I cut my hand? How'd you do that? I was sectioning a loofah sponge with an <laughs> Olfa knife. And I was, I was cutting a loofah sponge and I just sliced right through my finger and I had to go to the hospital and get seven stitches instead of taking a nice shower and using a loofah on my back, <laughs> like I intended. Right. That's so too bad. So this, you know, cutting your finger while uh, peeling a potato is much more reasonable than the way I cut it. It is. Yes, absolutely.
0: I, I have a friend who once was holding a hot dog bun and he took a knife and cut through the hot dog bun, but the knife was so sharp that it went through the bun and through his palm.
1: You shouldn't do that. That's a bad way to cut a hot dog bun. Fair enough, but. Get a cutting board. You know what cutting boards are for? Cutting. Cutting things. This yeah. is right. Yeah, not yeah. hands. Hands are not for cutting things unless you're wearing chainmail gloves. Get yourself a nice pair of chainmail gloves, and then you can go ahead and cut whatever you want in your hands. Sure. I, I actually want to try that someday. Chainmail gloves it. would be awesome. Yeah. That's what they're for. So you don't you can cut things in your hand without, wearing, without slicing your goddamn fingers off like potatoes and loof- loofah sponges and hot dog buns. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, yeah, but
0: uh, obviously, you know, within the show, projecting back that injury is clearly now from uh, from her uh, you know, misadventures with the saviors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right.
0: Murder. 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 Saviors. Yeah. Well, you know, I <laughs> trying to be nice about it. Yeah. Uh, Misadventure. But yeah, there you go. So again, they gave us the information, like it was all there. Like, I think you said this on the last show that it was all kind of there without beating us over the head with it. And, you know, we could have figured it out if you were really paying attention or at least come up with the The idea that this is what was going on, right? So, just good storytelling.
1: My wife would have figured it out. She figures
0: all this shit out. Well, she doesn't even watch the show, does she? She doesn't watch the show, but she would have figured it out. Has she ever watched the show?
1: Yeah, at the beginning, she watched it.
0: Like, regularly?
1: First first couple of seasons, we watched it together. Okay. How come she stopped? Uh, I don't know. She doesn't like it? Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) It's just not not interesting to her. Okay. Like, she even stopped watching... uh, What's that show about the time-traveling traveling lady that goes back in time and meets a Scott? Doctor Who? No, that's oh. <laughs> that's a whole other thing. She does watch Doctor Who. Uh, Outlander. Oh, okay. She even stopped watching Outlander. And she loved that show. Well, I've but, never seen an episode of that. Yeah, I've watched a few. I watched the first season. Okay. Anyway, what the hell are we talking about here? We're talking about The Walking Dead or something, right? Something, yeah. Yeah. Okay, next we have a an email from Kristen in Nash, Vegas. I think it's Nashville. That's that's what Kristen put in brackets. Yeah, Nash Vegas. Nashville. Nash Vegas. That's mm-hmm. a good idea. Let's go to Nash Vegas. I'd love to. So Kristen writes, so y'all totally passed over Michonne wiping something, maybe blood, off her arm as Rick walks back into the bedroom after his outing to Carl's grave slash memorial. She clearly didn't want Rick to see it as she noticed it and quickly wiped it off. What do you think this is all about? Significant? So this is a
0: is a thing, Jason. I, I honestly didn't catch it when I watched the episode, but I went back and looked. And as Rick walks back into the room, Michonne is sitting there, you know, fidgeting with some papers, her charter. And as he comes in, she notices something on her uh, left arm, which is closest to the camera. And she licks her finger and then wipes it off and, and looks, you know, concerned for a second about it. And then they just go on with the scene. So there's, there's no way it was accidental and it was definitely there as part of the scene on purpose. What do you think it means? Did you see her do it or not?
1: Okay. So I did see it and then probably forgot about it. Right. Like all together. And then, even when we're re-recapping uh, the episode, usually I watch the episode, but sometimes our discussions get ahead of the ahead of the show, or the show gets ahead of us. So I pause it and or stop it, and I jump around a little bit. So I missed it during the recap. Mm-hmm. Um, some things I catch like that while we're doing the recap, we talk about it. But this I saw the first time I watched the episode, and then promptly forgot about it. Yes, it's significant. Was it blood? I'm not entirely convinced it might have been chocolate. Maybe she was, you know, hoarding a chocolate stash under the pillow, which would melt it. Really, if you sleep on it, you probably should stash it somewhere a little better. Yeah. I would think Uh, that's a
0: bad place to store your chocolate, yeah.
1: Was it chocolate, blood, or dirt? Blood doesn't make any sense. Where would blood come from?
0: Right. Why would she have blood on her arm just waking up in the morning, right?
1: Well, maybe Uh she's a vampire. Maybe now they're introducing vampires and uh, she went out to feed uh, throughout the night and then came back and noticed and forgot about the little bit of blood on her. Huh? Yeah. I suppose that's one option.
0: I mean, I guess there are, I mean, I guess it's possible to wake up with blood on you. You could, you could scratch yourself in the night if you have like a sharp fingernail or something, but, or, you know, nosebleed maybe, but it, I think you'd it probably could be a nosebleed. Up. But I, I just don't think any of these explanations are really all that, you know, don't hold that much water. Um, so if it's not blood, then yeah, what is it? Chocolate, as you said. I it seems seems crazy. I thought it had the color and consistency of motor oil, but I'm not sure why that would be on her arm or she would be concerned about it. Or she would be yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that and I do hope it means something because it's a weird thing to include
1: if it doesn't. All right. So let's Let's walk through the uh, the events here. Rick gets up. Michonne is still asleep. Rick leaves, goes and done, does a bunch of Rick things, and comes back. Uh-huh. When he comes back, Michelle is awake, uh, writing on paper, and has some kind of weird mark or stuff on her arm, which she has to lick her fingers to get off. So it's dried, whatever it is.
0: But it didn't look dry to me. It looked pretty wet to me. So I uh, don't know that it was dried. So those are the events... The sequence of events we saw, but like what happens between when someone wakes up and when they start working, like they you, eat a
1: bunch of chocolate or, or, or they maybe she maybe it's syrup, maybe is it some kind of food stuff that she 's got she 's hoarding in there like did she leave the bedroom
0: that 's what i 'm trying to get at like we don 't know that like i 'm thinking people wake up in the morning, they go to the bathroom, you know they go do some bathroom stuff, whatever that yeah. may be, could have gotten something on her arm when she was in the bathroom, they eat food. You eat breakfast. Could have gotten something on her arm during breakfast. It's a um, weird place to get food on
1: like, you know, chocolate and molasses. That's my other thought is molasses. But, uh, does anybody eat molasses anymore? Can you even buy molasses? Yeah, Molasses course. was a thing when I was a kid. Is
0: it still a thing? I, I'm, it still exists and I'm almost positive you can still buy it. Yes. What do you use it for?
1: I don't know. Baking. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Anyway, um, uh, my mom always had molasses and it was always this sticky thing that you weren't allowed to touch because it was all sticky and stuff. Anyway, it could have been molasses, but how do you get food over there? Right. I mean, sure. Sure. I thought it might be chocolate, but that seems ridiculous now because how do you, you know, how, how, how would you eat chocolate and get it on the outside of your arm? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think
0: that's possible. You're sitting there at the, table with your arm in front of you leaning and you're eating and it drips down. I I don't know. Like it did look to me like it had the consistency of like a maple syrup or or something. I I feel like the most obvious explanation is it's blood. But then where does that come from and why is it there? If it's not blood, it could be anything else that she got on herself in the bathroom in the kitchen or or whatever. Um or there is the small possibility that it actually is a weird production thing where Denai Guerrera had something on her arm when he yelled action, she wiped it off, and they just continued with the scene.
1: No, that can't be it. I mean, I don't
0: really believe that when I say it, but I also think, like, I just can't wrap my mind around an explanation for it, so I'm, I'm grasping at straws.
1: Do you remember when uh, Daryl blew up all those saviors on the motorcycles? Yes, I do. And there was a car that drove by in the background, and we like speculated for like a week on what the hell that car was in the background, way far in the background. you are like, what the hell's that car doing? It drove by. I don't think that was the scene where he blew up the motorcycles, was it? I believe I believe it was.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll take your word for it.
1: Well, whatever the scene was, yeah, yeah. there was a car that drove around in the ba- background, and we're like, whoa, what the hell is that car? That was yep. that's significant. Turns out to be a production error, and they erased it from later uh, showings. Yep. Okay, so. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see ultimately to see if this is a production error, but I don't think so. That was, that was pretty front and center on the camera to be a production error. that That's the kind of thing you go, you know what? I think we're going to have to go, go with another take and we'll wait until you wipe that shit off. And even, even if it is a production error, what is it? Is it chocolate? <laughs> is it blood? The question remains, <laughs> what is it exactly? <laughs> yeah, and how did it get there? Like, how do you get chocolate on the
0: outside of your arm? Sure, fair enough. So, so I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's piqued my interest to an unnatural
1: place. Like, I don't think I should be this excited about what is on her arm. Did she go torture Negan in, you know, her morning, morning torture session? Like Rick was saying that we don't really have these talks all that often, but uh, maybe uh, him and Michonne have discussions every, uh, every morning after she wakes up. Doing her morning calisthenics and uh, beating the crap out of him. It's like, oh, I got a little oh. bit of nosebleed on my arm from Negan. Better wipe it off. Uh, you may be onto something here. Like, what if we find
0: out that she's been secretly going to Negan behind Rick's back? And that's what she does when he gets up. Because every morning, Rick gets up, walks out, picks a tomato, goes to the grave, spends 20 minutes out there, half an hour maybe, and that gives her a chance to hop out of bed, go down, do something to Negan and get back up. And this was evidence of that, that she was erasing.
1: Right. While she's brushing her teeth, she just kicks him in the face a couple of times and she got a little bit of back splatter on her arm.
0: A little bit of face blood on her arm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You may be onto something. At the very least, I think this is a secret or, you know, a secret that Michonne has from Rick. And that was some evidence that she wanted to destroy. Now I'm even more excited. I can't wait to find out what it is.
1: Yeah, let's uh let's
0: wait and see. Let's wait and see. Okay, we talked about that for a long time. Is it my turn?
1: It is, my friend.
0: Next email comes from Sarah in Iowa. Sarah says, "How has no one brought up the fact that Michonne was a lawyer before the fall? And so it makes total sense she's working on the charter. Also, this is random, but I think that's the first time we've
1: ever seen her without a headband, right?"
0: I think it might okay. be. Um Okay,
1: I totally forgot that she was a lawyer. And yes, this makes perfect sense, and uh, we can now go on with our lives uh, beyond the fact that uh, no one has brought this up, because Sarah, you brought this up. Exactly. It's very good. Exactly. This is what she's doing. She's doing a charter. That's a lawyerly thing to do. It it, it it is. Now, technically, I
0: just wanted to say that Comic Michonne was a lawyer, and I don't know if
1: they've ever brought that up on the TV show, have they? Oh, I see. But no- the- well, she meant, we had a backstory of Michonne, right? Where she met, uh, or she had, where she got the two uh, chain zombies.
0: Yeah. And we found out about her boyfriend and her child, right? Yeah. That was all TV show. Um I think it's safe to assume that if comic Michonne was a lawyer, TV Michonne was a lawyer as well. Uh, but I don't know if it's ever been explicitly stated on the show.
1: But comic Rick was a sheriff or a deputy uh-huh. and so was a uh, TV show. Rick comic Carl was a 12 year old boy. And so was TV show Carl mostly until he was 20 until he became 18 <laughs> years old. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it makes
0: sense. She's, she's the lawyer. She saw that plaque in the season premiere, um, uh, about, you know, the history of the United States. And so it got the wheels spinning
1: a little bit and now she's doing yeah. the lawyer stuff. Yeah, comic Daryl didn't exist. The TV show Daryl doesn't really have a backstory other than doing odd jobs. <laughs> he didn't exist for a while, but he's back. <laughs> that's right. Right, he didn't exist for the last two seasons. Yeah, so he was just, uh, he was more of a caricature than a character on the show. Very true. All right. Uh, and the headband. So I didn't notice she wasn't wearing a headband, but who wears a headband to go to sleep? Well, that's the thing. that that I would take
0: my... Headband off, if I was going to go to sleep, I think. Anyways, so yeah, but I, it might be the first time we've seen her without it, which is which is good. I didn't notice at the all. Show is mixing stuff up, everybody.
1: It's fantastic. It's a crazy town. Anything could happen. Anything. All right. Next, we have email an email from John in Connecticut. When Rick was talking to Daryl and said, "You didn't kill the guy who left your brother on the roof." I thought he was talking about himself. Wasn't Rick the one who handcuffed Merle to the roof and left? I thought T-Dog wanted to go back and let him loose, but he tripped and dropped the key. Yes, John, you are 100%
0: correct. Last week or last episode when I said that it was T-Dog that Rick was talking about, no, Rick was talking about himself. And it's it's a much better
1: point to make at that moment. So that's what I thought. And I started the conversation that we were having about it with the understanding that I thought it was Rick, but then you said it was D Dog and I felt stupid and just rolled with it. Right. It's, well, I was
0: wrong. I was 100% wrong. I mean, when Rick. It's okay. Is, I'll follow you right into the gates of hell, my friend. <laughs> All right. Sweet. It's good to know. <laughs> uh, no, I was wrong. Absolutely. Rick was talking about himself. And, and like I just said, it's, it's a way more, um, it's it's just a way better point to make at that moment when you're talking to Daryl, saying you didn't kill the guy that locked your brother to a roof, that was me, and like, look at us now. So, yeah, you know, it makes a lot of sense. I did oh, go- Oh, now you've reminded me, so I will kill you, <laughs> right. that was a bad thing to do. Thanks for the reminder, buddy. I forgot buddy. about that, yeah. shithead. <laughs> uh, I went back and watched that, or part of that episode to just, you know, make sure after I got John's email here- And that was, those were fun times. Everybody looked so young and it was the episode Guts where they, they cover themselves in the gormaflage for the first time and go out and then it starts raining. Uh, and there's a weird continuity error in that episode with T-Dog because one moment he's like, um, laid out up on the roof and, you know, can't, can't barely move after being manhandled by, um, uh, Merle. And then the next scene, he's downstairs with them chopping up a zombie to put the guts all over themselves, and then he's back up on the roof again. So it was kind of hilarious, but uh, yeah. it was it was good times, you know? It was fun. Growing pains. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I never noticed that when I watched it originally, so what are you going to do? No. You know, I feel, feel like I barely knew the characters back then, but... No kidding. Now, no they're kidding. like old friends. <laughs> yep. All right, uh, email here from Bernard in Toronto, and Bernard makes a couple of quick points. First, he says, at the junkyard, Jadis puts a new battery in the walkie-talkie before she uses it.
1: Oh, Okay, sorry.
0: So again, I went back and checked, and she does indeed take a battery out of her pocket and puts it in that walkie-talkie, so your complaint about I- the battery is completely invalid.
1: Yeah, uh, well, a lot of the things that I discuss are probably invalid, but thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> I was incorrect.
0: Uh, And Bernard's second point is Cindy's grandmother was killed by Enid. So if she is evening the score, is Enid next? What do you think?
1: Well, it depends. I mean, uh, she's going after the killing of all, you know, half the people, all the men, right? Right. And her brother. Whereas her grandmother was killed by Enid. Like way later. Way later. (laughs) So (laughs) this is. I don't know. It depends. Uh, If you try and get vengeance on everybody that ever wronged you or killed a family member of yours. (laughs) Right. Well, I guess that's, you know, there's a distinction there. uh, (laughs) Sure. That probably is worth considering. (laughs) Yeah, probably. I don't know. Maybe Enid is next or maybe Enid's forgiven. Uh for some reason.
0: Well, no, the answer is no. She's not going after Enid because Enid is a much more important cast member and is a new doctor and everyone loves Enid, so... Well, uh, maybe
1: because Enid's a spy for the saviors, (laughs) she's on the chopping block. Maybe. they know that. Maybe. Maybe. I
0: I just think they're going to gloss over that and that's the way it's going to be. But, you know, the circumstances are a little bit different. Like you said, Simon... And Arat and all those saviors specifically targeted everyone, said no exceptions, and um and that was that. It was it was a it was a mass purposeful slaughter. Whereas Enid and Aaron were sneaking around at night, they got surprised, and you know, Enid overreacted and pulled the trigger. It's unfortunate, but I think maybe Cindy is able to forgive that one.
1: Maybe. It's never going to come up again. No, I know. So it's not something we have to worry about. <laughs> no, probably not. Yeah. Uh, okay. Where are we? Uh, we have an email from Bill in New Jersey. One thing that I uh, that I think really cemented Maggie's decision to let the Oceansiders ex- execute a rat is that a rat's last words before killing Cindy's brother were, No exceptions. If you rewatch Season 7, Episode 1, these are Negan's final words in the little speech he gives after he laughs at Glenn's eyeball hanging out. Before he delivers the final blows with Lucille, he yells out no exceptions with a sense of glee. Uh, It is revealed to us that a rat used the same words and smiled as he killed Cindy's brother. So if if there was any chance that Maggie would save a rat's life, it was lost right there.
0: Yep, she that that was like the uh, murder slogan of the Saviors, I guess, because Negan said it, Arat said it, and I'm wouldn't be surprised if that phrase was uttered at other times in the Savior's reign of terror. It's their slogan, I guess. It could be, yeah. It's more of a slogan, yeah. No exceptions. Yeah. Uh, other than
1: bullshit, <laughs> bullshit.
0: That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I got that at my fingertips, man, so... That's uh,
1: that's a good fingertip thing to have at your... them.
0: <laughs> exactly. All right, thank you, Bill, for that. Next one here is a call from Jeremy on the internet.
3: Hey, guys, I just wanted to touch briefly on the differences that I saw between killing Gregory and killing the Saviors was... First of all, with killing Gregory, he had just attempted to commit treason, which is something that I can see as punishable by... Uh, capital punishment killing him whereas the saviors have been at least under an 18 month amnesty to date and for the oceansiders to simply go ahead and start killing them after that amount of time isn't really acceptable in my view that's just killing people in cold blood whether they deserved it or not I think that time has uh, passed and, and needed to be dealt with differently and looking at Maggie and Daryl accepting this the biggest problem I have there is that they are supposed to be the leaders, Maggie especially, and to turn a blind eye to this and let it go, um, we're really looking at them inviting a civil war of some type, especially with them wanting to go and head uh, off to Negan next. Love the show, and keep up the good work. Take care.
0: Thank you, Jeremy. Um, I I agree that it, it probably sets a very bad precedent, you know, let <laughs> we'll turn a blind eye to our people murdering others if we think it's justified. But boy, do I hope it doesn't incite another civil war. <laughs> yeah. Or or you know what? Uh, definitely not a war per se between everybody we know and the remaining saviors. That's not really a civil war. I mean, a civil war between Daryl Maggie and Rick feels more appropriate and that I'm not quite as against. Um in fact, I can, I think that's where the show is going in the short term. Um, but yeah, I don't want them to essentially revert back to us against the saviors again. I, that wouldn't be good.
1: No, they're definitely not going to go down that route. The saviors will, might join a side, but, uh, I don't think it'll be the saviors against everybody else. We've done that for two friggin' seasons now. Yeah. It's time to move on from that
0: particular conflict. But I think Jason, it is... Uh, the show is going towards this conflict being at least one of the motivating factors for Rick slash, or I mean, Rick leaving slash dying. Yep. Because he only has a certain number of episodes left and, um, and I, and we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if he's, if Rick's going to die or if Rick's going to walk off into the sunset somehow, but, Um, but whatever they're setting up here, I think this is probably the main push to whatever happens to to him, you know?
1: So, remind me, Andrew Lincoln announced that he was going to leave the show before the season started, but I guess, uh, he and the producers knew that he was leaving before they started writing the season. Yeah, so he would have let his, he would have let the show know a
0: long time ago, and then the fact that he's leaving leaked out and then AMC and Andrew Lincoln kind of embraced the leak and, and went with it.
1: Right. Okay. So this, this so it's not like they're going to write the whole season as if he was staying, thinking that he was staying and then all of a sudden go, oh shit, he's got to leave and then pull a, uh Cal pen on uh house.
0: Um I don't know what that means but no they they knew going into the season that he wasn't going to be there so so they wrote the story leading towards that. Now I'll I'll tell you something Jason. I know me personally and other people out there in the world how many episodes Rick Grimes has left? I'm not going to tell you um but you I know, know this. I know how many episodes left we have with Rick. You've talked to a soothsayer
1: and they told you how many episodes are left.
0: No, um I'm not going to tell you how I know. There's, there's that is not a secret, but you know that information
1: is out there, but Okay, so let me let me just draw the line here where the, where it's classified. Mm-hmm. How you found out is classified. How many episodes he has left is classified. But the fact that you know how many episodes are he has left is not classified.
0: Well, I I've been debating whether I should even tell you that I know how many he has left because I actually want you to go in um clean. I want you to start watching the episode that week whenever it is not knowing that that's it. Yeah. Because I do. I know when that's going to happen.
1: And I'm a little I, bit bummed. I go into pretty much every episode not knowing anything. <laughs> you know, fair enough. And I want you And to I st- actually come and start talking on this this podcast not knowing anything. <laughs> People can tell.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Uh no, but <laughs> that's I mean a, that's a good as comeback. you know, as we as <laughs> As we do this podcast, we are privy to a certain number of spoilers. We read news, or at least I do, and then I tell you, and we hear things. I talk to people. I know a lot of other Walking Dead podcasters. I know other Walking Dead actors, right? Not that I hang out with them or talk to them, but like, you know, you, you find things out and the information's out there. I try to stay away from major spoilers personally, but there's a certain level of spoiler that I feel like just comes with the job. And you've experienced yeah. that. You know, you. Yeah, I absolutely have. You know, you know generally or vaguely sometimes what's coming Um, but in this case i know exactly how many episodes rick grimes has left and i'm not going to tell you because i want you to experience it cold okay so when we talk about it you can tell us what that's like because not a lot of us the not a lot of the rest of us are going to be able to do that now anyways with all that being said I think that this conflict that they're setting up, which you could describe as a, um, a civil war is, um, is what's leading towards, you know, Rick Grimes and Andrew Lincoln moving on into Mm -hmm. something else. So cool.
1: And some undetermined number of episodes that, you know,
0: uh, exactly. Some undetermined number of episodes and we'll leave it at that for now. Uh,
1: okay. So next we have an email from Ronnie in Syracuse, New York. Do you think all of the A's we've seen throughout the past shows, uh, i.e. Rick and the Terminus box boxcar with the A on it, are connected? I wonder if whoever's communicating with Anne had the same deal with Terminus, etc.
0: So, honestly, Ronnie, no. I don't think the A's that have shown up in past seasons repeatedly really really have anything to do with the A and the B person person type in Anne's deal with the helicopter people. However, I do think that the show and the new writers have finally kind of found a clever way to actually do something with it rather than just it be a thing that they're dropping into episodes once in a while. So I think they're going to retcon all the A's into kind of being related to this A, B personality thing, but ultimately it doesn't really have too much to do with it. That's my feeling. I don't know if you have a different
1: opinion. Okay, so at first I was just going to simply say that I categorically disagree with you because I do think that the A and B absolutely has to do with all the A's we've seen in the past. Mm. But I do agree with you that (laughs) I think it's a retcon by the writer's to f- fill in that gap, that before this plot point, they didn't really have any real meaning other than, hey, let's put an A on this, that'd be cool. And then all of a sudden they're making it a part of the plot. Yeah. So I do agree that that's happening, but I don't agree that they're not connected. Okay, but
0: I mean, think about it. We have the the boxcar at Terminus that everyone was in had a big A on it, fine. Uh, we had Daryl in his jumpsuit when he was a captive at the sanctuary with a big A on it. We had a Jadis who scrapes an A into the storage cell that she has Rick in. That makes sense for sure, because she has the deal, right? She's marking Rick as an A. We also had Jesse. Remember Jesse in Alexandria? Yep. Jesse's son, Sam, had a, like a hand stamp with an A on it that he stamped on somebody's hand and then he stamped it on the 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 wood of the porch i mean
1: there's no way that that is related i don't think so well he got a hold of a stamp i mean kids get a hold of crap that uh, has meaning and you don't want to take away from them and go hey don't touch that that has that's a very powerful meaning uh, meaningful thing that you shouldn't touch it's just like okay let him play with it for a little while and then we'll just kind of sneak it away from him so that he doesn't attach the fact that there's a lot of meaning to this
0: i mean i guess if alexandria pre-rick had an arrangement with the helicopter people maybe the helicopter people provided them with an a stamp so that they could stamp the hand of a people and they'd know but like i just feel like that's all stretching it a little bit and if if all the previous a's throughout you know the various seasons are supposed to be related totally a retcon
1: well absolutely it's a retcon but i do think that Yes, all those A's are now going to become part of the plot. All
0: right, fair enough. I mean, I I could see them doing that. And, you know, like I said, I guess it's sort of a clever way for these smart new writers who are doing such a good job to to factor it in. So hopefully they can pull
1: it off. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I guess so. Personally. Okay, Chris. Or maybe it's Terminus. Maybe the helicopter people is the Terminus people, and that... uh, uh, carol didn't in fact kill everybody in that whole compound oh what was
0: that guy's name at terminus the head terminus guy shoot i forget his name now
1: i forget his name
0: anyways maybe he'll come back
1: i think he's dead wow well, he's probably dead <laughs> i think yeah. maybe the terminus people are still around and they converted all their boxcars into helicopters somehow oh sure it sounds pretty doable yeah <laughs> how do you make a train fly You put a helicopter blade on it.
0: (laughs) Put a rotor on it. See what happens. (laughs) Yeah. If you spin it fast enough, it'll fly. It's true. You know, you just nailed the physics right there. Spin something fast enough and it'll fly?
1: It'll fly. You just need to have enough downward force. Yep.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Let's move on. Chris in the UK writes, I agree that alpha and beta are the most likely explanations for the A and B Uh, And that implies the value judgments you suggested. I don't think we have enough information to know that's the actual explanation, however. When Jada said, I thought you were a B to Gabe, she said it with some disappointment. My initial take on that line was not that it was good to be an A
1: or bad to be a B. So, Just like a type A personality and a type B personality?
0: Yeah, I mean, really
1: A and B...
0: A doesn't necessarily have to be better than B. It's just two different cal- classifications and and maybe sometimes they could be looking for A's and other times looking for B's, right? You need right. all sorts of different types of people to have a functioning society.
1: Yeah. Sometimes you're looking for a guy, sometimes you're looking for a girl. It happens. It does happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh I don't know, typically A is better than B. Right? Well, grading yeah. systems uh, when you're grading something, when you're classifying something, you've got A and B and double A, and triple A. You're talking and, about batteries, uh, not people. I'm not talking about batteries. I'm <laughs> talking about uh, baseball, oh. like triple A baseball. Yeah, that's Isn't true. is that better baseball than double A baseball? Is there a double A baseball? Is there a you know triple B baseball? I don't know from baseball, but I just know that I've heard these terms before, uh-huh. and generally- a is better than B, and the more A's you have, they're better than less A's. Well,
0: generally, yes. But I'm just saying as a classification system, you could have A through Z,
1: right? Which just mean different things. Um, so, yeah. So A— well, Why classify something using letters like that? Say class one and class two. You know, a class one person is different than a class two person, but it doesn't mean that they're a second class person. No, but
0: class one still implies <laughs> kind, of, kind of does, yeah, better than class two. Just like A yeah. implies better than B, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, right? You could, you could just be saying like everybody who's an A, you know, <laughs> their name starts with A or everybody in <laughs> a has this classification this list of skills and b has this list of skills and we need both it's just we don't need both all the time
1: right so i don't know so yeah i just i don't think that if you're going to use if you're going to use a classification system that uh, by common practice implies a level of quality then uh, uh, if you don't want to imply that, use a different classification system. Called, you know, if you need the two, two groups of people, say these group of people are all assholes and these people are all jerk stores. Like, really, how do you know which one's better? You don't know which one's better, you just know that they're different, they're, right?
0: The assholes and jerk stores, totally different.
1: <laughs> yeah, but how do you know which one's better? I don't know. No, you can't say. You can't say, exactly. You know. So uh, this is what I'm saying, is that uh, don't use a a grading system that by common knowledge implies high hierarchy.
0: Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Uh why not call these people pumas and these people jaguars? Like, you don't know what's better? <laughs> jaguars better. Really? What if you yeah. have a third group that's lions, are they the best?
1: Well, I don't know from maybe. They're it kings. It's king of the it jungle. Depends personal preference at that point. But <laughs> okay. everybody knows a jaguar is better than a puma.
0: Okay. Come on. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I <laughs> I'm I'm poor at classifying the big cats, I guess.
1: Well, jaguars have spots.
0: Oh, that makes them pretty awesome, yeah.
1: They are pretty awesome. Our leopards... I've I've always wanted to get a cat with spots. Wouldn't that be cool to have a little pet cat with spots? Absolutely. Nifty. (laughs) All right.
0: Anyways, I think Chris makes a valid point, and we'll probably learn more about this classification system later on. Uh, We don't know right now if exactly what Gabe is or, or anything. All we know... I think it's safe to assume that when Jada scraped that A into the thing she had Rick in, she was saying Rick's an A.
1: Okay. Rick's an A, that makes him an asshole, and Gabe's a B, that makes him a jerk store.
0: Why not a butthole? would not that sort of an okay, asshole? asshole
1: well, they're the same thing. <laughs> asshole butthole. Aren't they the same thing?
0: Yeah, Which one's better?
1: I don't know. No, <laughs> but that's your point. Right. <laughs> All right. Next, we have a call from Lee in St. Catharines. Yes, we do.
2: Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Lee in St. Catharines. And I got a couple things I want to go over with regards to warning signs. Um, First, you guys were talking about Jadis and her A or B conversation. Um, I viewed it more as that A meant more like as a prisoner and B was viewed as a passenger. Um, If you remember, Jadis had Negan tied up that one time and the helicopter was coming to get her. So maybe Negan was a prisoner she was willing to pass over. And then they saw something was going on, so they bailed and she wasn't able to do it. But it kind of looks like that's what was going on there. Um, I also want to talk to you guys with regards to... You said about the uh, boss zombies or the boss orcs in uh, Lord of the Rings. There is a boss orc. um, She's an Icelandic singer. Her name is Bjork. So that's a boss orc right there that really exists. And my third part is to Jason and being told he's not supposed to nitpick. That is the best thing on this this podcast is when you guys critique the show and bring up the funny parts and the missed parts and the parts that don't make sense. That I thoroughly enjoy. So nitpick away is the best thing you guys do. I really enjoy it. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Thanks, I think. Lee?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like Bjork. I've liked Bjork since uh, uh, she was in the Sugar Cubes. I remember getting the first Sugar Cubes album and liking that, and then she went off and did a solo career.
0: Those were the days, man. Remember she wore that swan dress to the, I don't know, some awards, the Grammys maybe, something like that? Yep. She's a character. She sure is. Uh, however, if we go back to the beginning of Lee's call, he brings up another sort of interesting thought about the A-B system, that it's it's prisoner versus passenger. passenger. So why not call him that? We can't use P and P because no, you well, wouldn't know what's P. going on. We
1: already have Pete Pete. For P P&P and P and P, P, Peterson for P, P, P on the card. Remember? Uh-huh. Yes. I've been thinking right. about that. It gives me joy. Anyway, uh, so no, don't call them P and P, call them passengers and prisoners.
0: Sure. I don't know. But then you just A and B, it, and you, everyone knows what that means, except us.
1: Well, again, that applies a classification system of, of a hierarchical nature, which I disagree with.
0: All right. Well, we're going to have to wait to find out, but. Luckily, in this case, this is one of those things that I'm pretty sure we are going to get more information on. So yeah, it might not even take that long. All right. Maddie in Raleigh, North Carolina, wrote in and said, I agree with your thoughts on the helicopter, but I also believe that they wrote that in because of the faux pas that happened when Rick and the group initially met the heapsters. He was standing on top of the trash heap, and the green screen appeared to have a helicopter. That garnered much speculation on the internet when it happened that the editors missed it in the cut. I think they just went with it and formulated a storyline around their mistake.
1: That's so, what I do so. in my job. <laughs> yeah, you screw I something. No, that was on purpose, and I'm going to build this whole thing around it just to prove that <laughs> that, that was on
0: purpose. Sure, uh, that may wear, work in your job, um, <laughs> it and does it may
1: work in my job.
0: It may work on a TV show, but but Maddie. I want to say that I have never agreed with everybody out there that there was actually a helicopter in that scene. It's the shot, Jason, with the helipad in it that you... It's the helipad, yeah. ...you love. There are some birds flying around in the background, and then there's a black bird that flies in from the right side, and it seems to be going really quickly. And again, I went back and checked that out just last night when I was preparing some of these emails, and I still don't think it looks like a plane i don't think it looks like a helicopter i don't think it's a mistake and i don't think there is actually any genuine consensus out there that it is uh unless you know somebody from the show came out and said yeah that was in there we missed it you know and that's it i haven't seen that if that's the case then fine i'll i'll go with it but i don't personally believe that that was a mistake i think it's a bird i don't think there's a helicopter in that shot and the helicopter that we have on the show now has nothing to do with that, in my opinion.
1: Well, in that case it has to be Superman. It's a bird. It's a helicopter. It's Superman. Well, if it's Superman, I mean where is he now? I want to see him show up on the show. Well, <laughs> that's a question that he's dead right now, isn't he? Uh no, he's not currently dead. The DCU oh yes, yeah, no, that's right. Okay. Sorry. He died. For a little
0: while, but he's done for that. a little while, he's done that but, before in comics and yeah, probably other mediums.
1: I read a novelization of that storyline uh, in the comic books, and I really rather enjoyed it. Anyway, uh, okay, so that same shot where we saw the helipad, there was also a whole bunch of dump trucks or garbage trucks uh-huh. that were in in the background there. I would like to see a convoy of garbage trucks in this show. Well, well we like, did sort
0: of when when they show up at Alexandria, and then just before they double cross Rick with Negan. They showed up in a bunch of, well, on bicycles and garbage trucks, remember?
1: Okay. All right. Yeah, I do. So they've I still them. want to see them. I want them to be a big part of the storyline, like they've made the helicopters a big part of the storyline. Yeah. Well, I mean- I it... always thought that would be interesting to buy a garbage truck and convert it into a camper. <laughs> and then, well, my initial thought was to convert it into a tour bus for the band and drive around on tour in a garbage truck. Uh, but then uh, Hellboy did it. Right, they drove around in a garbage truck. You oh, remember yeah. from the first movie, yeah, yeah. So that they were being a little incognito, they turned a garbage truck into something. Right, I often turning a garbage truck into a camper would be pretty cool. It'd be really horrible on gas because it's you know a big steel box rather than like a camper camper that's made out of you know cardboard. You know your but
0: yeah, you're probably just better buying a camper. But I I see your point.
1: It'd be cooler. Totally. If you had the, if you had unlimited funds and no worries about paying for diesel, uh. If I had that, I would turn it totally into a camper. And by the way, I did not win the Mega Millions. I'm not a Mega Millionaire. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to be buying a garbage truck and converting <laughs> it into a camper, no matter how much my son thinks that's a good idea. Oh,
0: sure. I bet he loves that idea. He loves garbage trucks. He thinks they're the best. Totally. They are the best. They take my garbage <laughs> away. What more can I want?
1: <laughs> garbage day makes me so happy. It's kind of sad that it makes me so happy, but well, when I you know, after a couple of hours, after putting the garbage out, it's gone. Uh huh. You know how? And I know it's not gone. That it's gone to a landfill and it's all horrible, but it's not in my garage anymore. That <laughs> makes me happy.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes.
1: Am I a bad person? That makes me a bad. I feel like it makes it makes me a bad person.
0: No, I think it it means you you're happy about living in a functioning society and uh, not in the zombie apocalypse.
1: Yeah. It also makes me happy when they take the recycling, and I know that's going for a good cause we hope so anyway that's going for my future toilet paper oh good That's all right, a, where the hell are that's we that's a we're good cause the... that's for sure <laughs> next up is John alright John in Boston the key to the scene between Rick Carroll and Jed was not just Carol's com- competence with the knife which is a given but the way Rick virtually begged her not to kill Jed all the while pretending he was talking to the saviors you do this there's no going back everything we're doing it ends he saw the knife, and he knew that Carol was hope, uh, was fully capable of killing Jed. So, to my mind, uh, hanging there—no, uh, to my mind, hanging there—in this exchange between Rick and Carol was their entire history, going back when Carol killed Karen and David in prison. They were asking her for, here. He was asking her for mercy, much more than he was warning the saviors. And she listened. She stabbed Jed not in a lethal spot when she could easily have stabbed him in the eye socket or the heart. Yeah, so it's a it's an interesting take on the
0: scene that John has here and one that I didn't really think of before that you know Rick is kind of talking to Carol instead of talking to Jed when he's when he's saying uh if you do this there's no going back everything we're trying it ends basically if you kill this guy it's it's just fuel on the fire uh of this of the saviors you know rebelling a little bit so um I thought it was a really cool read on the scene and, you know, maybe, maybe that's exactly what they were intending. Maybe not, but either way, it kind of worked on both levels. So I thought that was really awesome.
1: Yeah. No, that, uh, I thought that's a fantastic take on it. I hadn't, didn't catch that at all, but it makes, uh, it makes great sense and just, uh, speaks to the level and the quality of the writing. Exactly.
0: And we, it's, it's something we just keep saying over and over again here, but they're, they're doing a fantastic job in mine and our opinions, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, and now after this, they're doing even a fantasticker job. <laughs> you want my
0: opinion? You want to strive for fantasticer every day?
1: Oh yeah, totally. always try and be fantasticer. Good.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, we got two more emails here. One is, um, you know, Paul the designer who says he's designer Will's arch nemesis in the UK. Oh my! I know. I've never had a nemesis. Well, we now have two arch nemesis writing into the podcast, so... um, a little nervous. Yeah. Uh, Now, Paul is answering a question we had on Monday about um, why more people end up watching season finales. And he says, The simple answer is binge-watching. Many people watch TV at their own convenience, maybe downloading them for watching back-to-back. People tune in to the finales in high numbers because it's usually the big episode that everyone will be talking about... Uh, but leading up to that, the viewing figures don't represent who is interested in the show, just those who watched it on Sunday or Monday night. So what he's saying is people kind of binge watch part of the season, and then the actual finale they do watch live, which causes a spike. It's not like they're not watching the rest of it. It's just that they're not watching it live during the broadcast. And that makes right. a lot of sense.
1: It does. So Yeah, and that's just it goes to the point that I, we've been making in the past that people don't watch TV the same way they do. It's not appointment television where you have to watch Thursday night at 7 or Thursday night at 8 to catch your episode of Magnum PI or you're going to miss it forever. Right. <laughs> right? It's, uh you know, people just watch TV differently now.
0: Yeah, absolutely, which kind of makes talking about the ratings seem a little less... Important. I still do kind of like seeing the trend, though, as I've said, so we'll probably keep doing it at least for a while more. Um, but you're right, there are so many different numbers we can look at. It's the broadcast numbers, it's the broadcast plus three plus seven, and there's probably lots of others that they factor in, too. Um, I know some Yeah, we
1: need Netflix numbers. We need, uh, well, not for current seasons, but for, you know, people even watch it that way. I know people that, uh, have said that they don't watch it live. They wait for it to come on Netflix and they just binge watch it.
0: Right. Totally. Totally. And they're, and they're way behind. Those people aren't affecting like season finale spikes at all. No. Um, we
1: need, uh, we need Netflix numbers. We need iTunes numbers. We need, uh. Other various devices. I'm sure there's lots of other devices, and then there's all all the uh, torrenting that goes on, uh, downloading the seasons <laughs> and the and wee episodes and such, which we're never going to get numbers for. No, but I bet you they track it <laughs> somehow. Who they though? How do you track that with people putting up torrents? And then the people that put up the torrents will track it, but
0: well, you're ANC's right. not going to track it. Nah, no, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they they do somehow. I guess the whole idea is it's decentralized, so I don't know, but. Yeah. Um, who knows i mean there's probably doing something but you know my good friend sarah who works in the tv uh industry or media industry has often pointed out that the you know the numbers that we quote for for ratings are really not irrelevant but don't tell the whole picture and yeah, um we know that
1: and we know yeah totally so you know maybe we should uh maybe, maybe we should ask her what tells us the whole picture like give us like the top 10 examples of what numbers the studios look at to see if a show is successful. You should have her on as a
0: a rating segment every week. Here's Sarah with the ratings for this week on. (laughs) Why not? Hot. Damn hot. The hot take, the ratings hot take, we could call it. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Okay. I know this last email is, is yours, Jason, but I just wanted to throw out that, um, it is, uh, it is a prediction from, from a user. Uh, user a listener <laughs> and uh it's not test user it's not um uh anything crazy but it's also something i mentioned earlier in the show so this you know vicky here in essex uk probably put this thought into my brain without me even realizing it
1: well uh this is uh, an email from vicky in essex uk <laughs> wow really <laughs> Vicky writes my prediction and slash Jadis will human traffic Rick out of there and we will f- and he will fly off in that helicopter never to return. This would free up Maggie and Daryl to lead the pack in their own let's settle the score kind of way.
0: Yeah, and you know what, Vicky, I think this is actually a fairly good prediction that whoever these helicopter people are, maybe that's how Rick is going to move on from the show. In a non-killed-off sort of way, he'll fly off with these people, and it does open up the storyline for Maggie and Daryl a little bit.
1: Yeah, and it allows the possibility for Andrew Lincoln to return to the show at some later point. True. Um, do you think that's a possibility? Do you think they're going? Well, of course, gonna, it's a possibility.
0: But do you? What do you think they're going to do? Tell me what you think. Are they going to somehow keep him alive so that maybe? the door is open for a return someday?
1: I kind of hope they don't. Really? But I eh? think that they might. Yeah. So I think I'm going to put a double qualifier on there because I don't think it's worth, I don't think it's just a single qualifier. I think the possibility might be there. Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) uh, that they would do that so that they could have Andrew Lincoln back on the show uh, years from now if the show's still going and it's making some money and Andrew Lincoln you know, needs some cash to buy a new house somewhere. And he was like, okay, give me, give me like 30 million and I'll come on for like four episodes. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, here's, here's the bag of cash. Let's do this thing. And he comes back on for four episodes, lands in a helicopter. He has a flight suit and like aviator glasses on and, <laughs> uh, does some awesome things. Maybe he's dressed up like the police, uh, the police helicopter guy from, uh, uh, Terminator 2 but the uh the T1000 turned into. Anyway, uh the you know it it's the possibility is there, however the likelihood is not. I think that they should kill him. And I think that would be powerful and uh it would res- it would resound in the uh in the television universe cuz they killed off the main character of a show.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. Um i mean i I agree with you that it would resound it would be a big deal i i just don't know if i want them to kill him off it's just it's gonna feel so final and i know that's probably a good thing but man you know i i don't want uh it's i don't walking dead death is not the final manifestation any longer i don't want to see rick grimes dead though that's going to oh upset zombie me. rick come on man that's going to upset me i don't want zombie to Zombie rick
1: it. that michonne has to kill
0: <sighs> yeah i mean that's dramatic and sad but i don't know if i want to go through that so i don't know but zombie rick that daryl gets to kill on, on the other hand i i think it will be a little bit of a cop-out if they let him live somehow i don't know but you know what listen man we we we've said it over and over again. Angela Kang knows what she's doing. These writers obviously know what they're doing, so somehow hopefully they are going to pull this off in a satisfying
1: way. Well, they can't do what's expected, right? They got to do something that is uh, figure-outable? Is that a word? That's not a word. Uh that is that it could could have been figured out, but wouldn't have been or won't have been and it won't be I don't think somehow it it's not going to be leaving and it's not going to be death right it's, it's going to be something else but how could it be something else well that's the thing we don't we just
0: I, I can't come up with anything else right you're right it's 50% of the population right now thinks he's going to be killed off and the other half thinks he's going to leave and not be dead but you're right they've got to do something else they've got to They've got to surprise us.
1: Maybe he's going to change his mind and decides he wants to spend the rest of his life in the cell with Negan.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe he does. Maybe he trades places with Negan. Negan comes out, Rick goes in, and then Negan never goes to talk to him. So we don't see Rick anymore.
1: Maybe. Maybe Rick and Negan will move in together and we'll have like a uh, odd couple (laughs) kind of uh, thing going on.
0: That's right. They're in the same tiny little cell together for the rest of their (laughs) lives.
1: Rick is all neat and tidy and nigga's a mess, likes to leave things all out everywhere. Right. <laughs> they draw a line down Rick the gets middle. Upset, they draw lines. They can... Like you stay in your half of the cell, I'm gonna stay on mine. The toilet's on your side. I don't care. Tough. You you will. <laughs> you will pretty <laughs> soon.
0: <laughs> oh man. I don't know. I don't know. I just I I don't know how they're gonna do it. I just don't know how. But Rick flying away in the helicopter to go to whatever community it's from um, I think could be a thing. And that does leave the door open for someday him to return. Uh, but but I don't know. We'll have to wait
1: and find out. I'm pretty sure the helicopter is a uh, a segment of the remains of the U.S. government. Personally,
0: that is an interesting theory, um, and one that I don't subscribe to. Fair enough. <laughs> I have other theories, but they're
1: related. That's- Two things, and I'm not going to. I was them very up. polite and political. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's a. I really like that question. That was a good question, but you're a fucking idiot for asking it. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> no, no. I, not, I'm not saying it wasn't a question. That's why I'm I'm, I'm okay. separating uh, that. So I'm not saying that you're saying anything like that. But I'm just saying that was uh, very polite. Sure, way to put it to say you're full of shit. Um.
0: All right. The next episode of The Walking Dead is season nine, episode four. It's called The Obliged. So if you'd like to do a title read for that one, by all means, send it in sometime before next uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, I don't know, mid-afternoon, so I get it in time. Um, And the best way to contact us, the best way to send those in is to send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also, of course, send voicemails by visiting our website and clicking on send voicemail at the top. Or just recording into your phone and then sending us the file by email. That's a really good way as well. Find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. One more note too. Um, I meant to mention this off the top, but forgot until just now. But we had a little hosting glitch with the website this week, and episode four hundred disappeared for a short time. It was posted. Oh my. Well, I changed the hosting plan around, and they migrated our site from one server to another. And I guess the most recent post, which was episode 400, didn't make it in the migration, so it disappeared for a day. Um, And uh, some people pointed that out to me, and I reposted it, so it should be there now. If for some reason you've listened all the way through this but haven't listened to 400 yet because it wasn't there, um, it should be available now. Check the website, check iTunes, check uh, wherever you podcasts from um so sorry about that but it was just a glitch as the site moved over from one server to another all right hopefully that didn't uh mess up anybody's week but we will be back uh, on tuesday when we recap the obliged so until then
1: my name is chris my name is jason thanks for listening ciao